Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lions not blowing it. Uh, Hook your I Hopefully just saw that ACL. Uh, I think Blake Corum's going to win the Heisman. I do too, unless Stroud goes off. But uh, yeah, I mean, unless unless OSU buries him into the ground, I think it's his to lose because yeah. May lost to May's lo- May lost to fucking Georgia Tech. Yeah, May's done. You don't lose to Georgia Tech then win the Heisman. No. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. A, I don't know, incoherent version of the Touchline Media Group because they are doing their World Cup, uh, their World Cup coverage in a very systematic and normal way, and we uh, are going to release at random. Uh, we'll have an episode, um, you know, today, tomorrow, Wednesday, we Friday. We had a Lions roundup in the middle of the World Cup preview stuff. So, like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, rules mean nothing. Rules mean nothing. No gods, no masters. I am your host, yeah. Asa, a.k.a. The Twig. I'm here with my co-host, Napoleon Greg, a.k.a. The Stump. People might ju- drop in. I don't know. I invited a lot of people to this episode, and I don't know if anybody's coming. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Smith Workforce Management Group, um, Paramount Plus, whoever Blue Wire decides to put in, and not PBR, because like Qatar despite us saying that we would take money from from alcohol companies i don't know i guess we're not (laughs) okay yeah this the entire thing is just a complete and utter uh shit show i like i i have you have to believe that fifa saw this like fifa knew this was coming right they don't care they Uh, don't care (laughs) but like people are saying like oh fifa like there's two camps out. He's like FIFA's complicit. They knew all along, and there's people yes. that are like FIFA had no idea. Like this was sprung on them at the last second by uh, Cutter. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not how this works. 
Like it's actually the, the third option. Time. No, no, I think it's the third option. It's like from a legal perspective, right? Like there's, there's negligence, there's mistakes, and there's willful misconduct. But there's also a, a concept in litigation called known or should have known. <laughs> yes. And we are firmly in the, if you didn't know that this was coming, you really should have known that this was coming. So I actually don't think the, the alcohol in the stadium thing is that big of a deal. Um, I, I understand that a lot over a lot of the world, obviously you can buy alcohol in like in this, in the stadium, but um, I, I've been to a EPL match and I don't know if that is like, it was Spurs Wolves in 2020. Um, and I don't know if it was like specific to Spurs stadium. I assume not, but you're, you are allowed to drink in the stadium, but in not, the concourse. Yeah. So like, it's not that different. It's like, you just drink, you like the, you do what I do or what I did. You buy four beers, you drink them all really quickly. And then you go in and you wait for that <laughs> good old buzz to hit. USA. Uh, so like, like USA. <laughs> <laughs> In my defense, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to drink in the stadium. So sure. I bought two beers. Or I realistically, I bought three beers for me and one for my girlfriend at the time. I was just like, yeah, we can like, you can slowly step this. And if you somehow beat me, you can have the fourth one. And they're like, no, no, no. Like you have to drink these all before you go out. And she couldn't chug anything. So I was like, oh no, this is not going to go well for me. Fun time was had by all. Um, so my... um. So, right. So, okay. So, dear listener, if you're here for your normal uh, take of college football chicanery, um, I want you to go ahead and skip to about the 32-minute mark. I'm not sure what exact minute mark because... Um, we haven't recorded it yet. We haven't recorded it yet. I say 32 minutes because, generally speaking, that would be after the Paramount Plus ad read. Um, okay. And- so, it's, it, this is Price is Right rules, right? Close enough without going over? Yeah. I think 31. You understand I am actually in control of when this happens. You're not going to remember this conversation. It's fair. So, um, dear listener, I, I put up on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago asking if people would want like a primer on what the World Cup is and how it works and what to be excited about if you're a college football fan. And so uh, here it is. Um, so we are going to assume the lowest possible amount of knowledge, and we are going to try to put everything in college football terms. Um, that is the easiest way to do this. So the World Cup is the college football playoff if it happened once every four years and it didn't have to do with the schools, but where kids were from. So the best analogy that I can give is that um, kids from all over the country, right, want to go play at Alabama. They go and they, you know, whether you're from Washington or D.C. or um, states or or municipalities that don't include the name Washington, uh, Michigan, for example, um, everybody wants to go to play at Alabama or Georgia or Michigan or whatever. Um, and in the World Cup, the same thing occurs, whether that's with Chelsea, Barcelona, um, I don't know, Milan, like these super clubs. So once Los Angeles FC, LAFC, right. Um, so every four years, what they do is they go away from their clubs yeah. or their schools, to use the analogy. I guess in fairness, Normally, every four years, uh, they use their summer break to instead play more soccer. This year, however, we're doing things differently, whereby pretty much the rest of the world is instead taking a break from their regular season with their clubs. 
but uh, this is the only time where the MLS players are actually already on break. So, so win for USA. Imagine if Alabama, after a game, call it four, just stopped playing for a month so that kids could go back to their home states to play a state v. state competition. That's basically yeah. where we are. Um, so all of the best players in the world. To be um, clear, would watch. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. 100%. Um, so this is like if all of the best players in the world in college football went and played for their home states and those home states played in a 32 team tournament. Um, and it was about state supremacy. You got paid for it by your state confederation. Um, but luckily it's it's about state's rights, state's rights to do what, um, dear listener, dear listener. If you ever, if anybody ever says, it's about states' rights. The response is a state's right to do what? <laughs> There's, there should always be a follow-up question. <laughs> That's the follow-up question. It's a state's right to do what? Um, but in terms of, of the World Cup, so we are not, in terms of producing talent, we are not Texas. We are not Georgia. We are not Florida. We are not California. We are Michigan, honestly. like Mississippi? No, yeah, Mississippi. We produce a lot of talent, but only relatively recent. Actually, you know what? The better answer might be Arizona. Um, we produce a, a, an increasing amount of talent. We're a top 30-ish, top 25-ish team in the country or in the world. Um, and only recently have we started producing mega talent, like Spencer Rattler, who had a day. But we'll get there. We'll get there with Spencer Rattler. Uh- the other thing to point out too is uh, bad tweets from Sports Center aside. You have to remember that the USA does not value. I mean, this port this portion of that tweet is okay to discuss. I thought that, that tweet was in very poor taste, and I was one of the ones that helped bully it off Twitter. <laughs> but um, when you consider the talent that the USA does produce, the USA like America is easily in the top probably five producers of athletic talent in the country or no, I'm sorry, in the world, but uh, we do not as of yet put a priority on our like switch playing soccer. I think that's coming. And we've discussed this in other places, but like a majority of our top line talent still does not play, does not pursue a soccer career. So it's, it's very straightforward. There's no demographic of American whose primary sport is soccer. Um, the 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 sort of the various communities they either prize football basketball hockey baseball um golf if you come from money i guess um come from georgia (laughs) if if you're from georgia it's it's golf um but everywhere else in the world that is good at soccer at the level we're talking about their number one sport is soccer um it would if, if you want to start getting like high and mighty about america as a soccer country what you can say to yourself is every country that's better than us at this game this is their american football or basketball right this is their thing this is what their best athletes choose to do from the jump um and for us if you look at countries that don't prioritize uh soccer they have other games that they care about whether it's um you know rugby cricket um you know gymnastics if we're talking about china um every other country that prizes a different game russia prizes hockey 
Um, you know, the, the Nordic teams probably prioritize hockey. Um, I don't know about hockey specifically, but like the winter Olympic sports, win- yes. win- winter sports. Um, Norway is like the slalom ski, ski slalom Kings yeah, and all right. that. And all that um, Sweden's so, goods, uh, short track skating, all that stuff. Yeah. So among countries that don't actually primarily give a shit about soccer, we're really good. Um, we're, we're really good at this, especially when you consider that the countries that we've just talked about that, that don't prioritize soccer. Soccer is usually their second biggest sport, not their fifth um, or fourth, I guess, depending on where you live in America. But there's no argument really that, that soccer is, is bigger than our fourth biggest sport. Um, baseball, basketball, and football are, are, are streets ahead uh, at this point. And if, and if you're not streets ahead, you're streets behind, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so about this specific American team, you might be saying to yourself, oh, okay, so it sounds like we're, we're okay. Like we'll, we'll probably be pretty successful. Um, and to that, I say, probably not, but. We, we are, but there's, there is such a gap between really this. You have to consider the fact that this is, this is kind of like the power five versus the group five. If we're going back to college football analogy, right? Like there are countries where they're so talented and they're like, they put so much of their money and cultural expectations into soccer that they are the power five. Like England, Germany, Spain, like these guys are producing athletes. They're the, the national press is all over the, the national football teams. Like these guys are like streets again, streets ahead. But then you come down to guys where like, or, you know, nations where it's not necessarily. uh, So for us, it's a good example because America obviously does not, their first priority is not uh, soccer producing nations or soccer producing players, but there's also other nations where um, you can argue soccer is one of at very least one of the top two sports where they don't necessarily produce the talent as well. And there's a lot of, you know, those teams here too, like Iran, I think Iran largely does focus on soccer. Um, Soccer or cricket. I, I I don't know if Iran... actually weightlift. It's actually weightlifting. Oh, really? They're very good at weightlifting. Oh. Um, but but like that's kind of the thing. Like they just don't necessarily have the infrastructure, or they haven't had the infrastructure for long enough to produce these high like top tier teams. We're we're also getting into. I mean, I guess we've been into it for a little while. But when you think about all of the like technological advances around athletics over the last call it twenty years, um. Yo, some nations are just starting to implement that type of stuff. And we should see, again, I think we're going to see a spike in talent over the next couple of years. Yeah. But the cool thing about uh, America and why, why it's fun to watch us is a, while we do say like, Oh, you know, we're not, we're not quite there, blah, blah, blah. We are absolutely an elite group of, of five team. Um, we are UCS, Cincinnati, um, you know, Marshall, when they play Notre Dame, um, we are we are a very very good G five team. Um, App State when they play yeah. when they play Texas A and M. Um, so Massachusetts when they play Texas A and M. I'm 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 sensing a theme here. <laughs> um, but what's what's interesting about us is that we are capable of winning our conference, um, and we beat the teams that are around us, including a, a country um, that prioritizes the hell out of soccer has more Spanish speaking people uh, than anywhere else in the world in terms of a single country and is about as good as us. Um, so I'm, I'm shouting out our, our, our rival um, 
Mexico. They suck, um, but they care a whole lot more than we do. So what's, what's, what's a good example of this? Imagine if Ohio State talked the amount of shit that they talk, but they never won anything ever. Oh my no, God, it's Texas A&M. That- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, actually, kind of it. Well, but that would require Texas to be like consistently good. Honestly, it's it's it might be Michigan for the last ten years, where Ohio State kept talking shit. Michigan cared a whole lot, and it didn't matter. It's actually if UCF didn't have that undefeated season and just like was like ten and three, nine and four every year, but chatted shit like they were they had those undefeated seasons. That would be Mexico, because Mexico talks as if they've won something ever. And they have not. They are about. I mean, I think UCF, even with the even with the undefeated season, still works because they held themselves a national championship yeah, parade That's... and and realistically did not actually win anything. To be clear, they got a bowl victory, but like that's like winning the gold cup. Congratulations, you should do that. Uh, Michigan State won a Peach Bowl last year. When UCF held that parade, it was a Peach Bowl victory over Auburn. Um, a good Auburn. Correct. That wasn't that wasn't now Auburn. That was four years ago Auburn. Um, the cycle of Auburn is very quick. Uh, it rises and falls like um, you know anything. But um, the Roman the Roman Holy Empire. I was I was gonna say a, a, a something. I was gonna make an erection joke about rising and falling as quickly. As, I know. I was trying to. I was trying to. I was trying to. Are we trying steer. to avoid that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, so in terms of the so. Our team right now is basically a bunch of redshirt freshmen. Um, So that's the other fun part about this team is that you are getting on board and you can even think of it the same way because um, the cycles will be about the same, right? Like you can expect a high level talent to play two cycles in a world cup if you are an elite program. Um, But at our level, we have to take our elite talents and have them start way earlier than you want. If Brazil is starting a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old, for example. You can be damn sure that that 20 or 22-year-old is an elite, elite talent. We are starting a whole bunch of high three stars. Maybe they develop into into really, really good players. We have a couple of four stars. I would say we have one five-star. Right. Again, this goes back – again, going back to college football. Uh, If Brazil is starting a 22-year-old, it's because he's a five-star that has, like – the talent to break through Alabama's depth chart. Like he's playing for a reason. Uh, if America is playing a 22 year old, it's like UCF. It's like, you're playing because you have to, we don't have anybody else in this position. You got to go in front of you. Kay- Kaylee Ringo is the example of a 22 year old starting for Brazil. Kaylee Ringo started as a freshman at Georgia as a corner because he is Kaylee Ringo. If Michigan state is starting a true freshman at corner, who knows? If UCF is, it's because, oh, we have a, a high three-star talent. Get him in. He can play. He'll play for four years. We'll deal with it. That's where we're at. Um, so our team is made up of a bunch of young players. Now, you might be saying, well, what about the players who should be older than them, right? Like, we, we, we've we been doing this for a long time. And the answer is, is that about four years ago, so call it last cycle, we didn't just miss a bowl game. We went one in 11. We failed miserably given our expectations. So UCF, we we were. Yeah, I, I disagree. I would say we went five and seven. Uh, because but our last game, our last game was we against... played. Yeah, we played UMass, 
in the 12th game of the year. So it should have been a cakewalk to just bowl eligibility. All we need was bowl eligibility and we Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, so all of the players who should be sort of those upperclassmen, redshirt juniors, seniors. Siri overheard overheard me say we Texas A&M did and all of the responses were Texas A&M losses. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, so our guys who should be redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors, um, we drummed them out. We completely lost that. We have a lost generation. Um, we had a recruiting class that failed. Part of that is that our most talented, our most talented player who would be an adult right now hates international soccer. Um, there is a good argument that a man named Darlington Nagby, who you'll maybe hear, maybe you won't, um, is like the best American player we have. Um, he just doesn't like playing international soccer and he doesn't like leaving America. So he's never gone to Europe. Um, a lot of very smart people, smarter than me, have said like, if Darlington Nagby wanted to at the age of 23 or 24, he could have been at one of those super clubs. He just didn't want to leave America. Like he, I, I don't know if he has like a thing about flying or a thing about um, extended travel, but he just doesn't want to do it. Um, he told, he told the coach back then, like, Hey, like I'm out. I don't, don't call me up. I'm going to say no. Um, most people would never say no. He did. Um, and then that whole generation, that whole guys who should be, you know, 26, 27, 28 right now, they all washed out. So now we're basically starting fresh. Um, and we are starting at this world cup with Christian Pulisic, who is the guy whose name you likely know. He is, he is the, the crown jewel of the, of the recruiting class. He was the first one to really play at a big club, Chelsea, um, which is, you know, an Alabama, Georgia, USC. Um, and then his running mates are a series of guys who are high three star types, except for one who will, who will get to in a second. You know, you have Tim Weah, who you say, okay, he's a high three star because if he was healthy all the time, he'd probably be a mid four star, but he's never healthy. Um, you have guys like Brendan Aronson, who's a high three star because he just tries really hard. Um, Tyler Adams is the same Weston McKinney. You can see it. There's talent, blah, blah, blah. Um, the only true elite talent that we have is a guy named Giovanni Reina. He plays in Germany right now. He is 20 and he is the best player we have. Um, he plays a, uh, winger role. So you'll see him on the wing. He's number seven. Um, he plays with a swagger that we really have missed in American soccer since, Clint Dempsey's era ended, uh, Landon Donovan, all them. So uh, in terms of the World Cup itself, we play three times in a, what's known as a group stage. So it's a round robin among four teams. Um, we play Wales, we play England on Black Friday, um, and we play Iran. So the sort of generally what you can expect is if you get a win and a draw, you should expect to get through. Um, that's generally historically how it works. Um, but for our purposes, um, our first game is against Wales and Wales is okay. Uh, if you want to deep dive into Wales, you can check out our episode from, I think it's like three episodes ago, two episodes ago, um, with, with Fahey. Fahey. Um, and we, we, we had a deep dive into Wales. Um, so we play Wales, uh, by the time you're listening to this today at 2 PM Eastern, um, there's a good and, chance we've already played Wales by the time you're listening right. to this. So if we beat Wales, we're in real good shape. 
if we lose to Wales, we are in real bad shape. Um, but that game happens at 2 p.m. on Monday. I think probably like FS1 or Fox. I don't know. Um, and I would hope Fox, but who knows with these TV, TV schedules. Um, and then there's uh, on Black Friday when you are debating about passing out hungover or maybe going, you know, getting back from the mall or whatever you do on Black Friday, watching Iowa, Nebraska for reasons that are unclear to everybody. Um, at 2 p.m. Eastern, you can throw on America versus England. And um, that's that'll be a very fun game because England, as in being one of those power five schools, those elite power five schools, carries itself like an elite power five school. Yeah. The analogy that I will give you is Tennessee. They won one time a real long time ago, and they continue to believe that they are good. Recently, this year and or the Euros, uh, England slash Tennessee uh, went really far. Like they, they looked like they might do the thing. They, they won some huge games. And then when push came to shove um, and they played another team that was on their level, uh, they got uh, smacked by Georgia and or Italy. Um, Italy is not in the World Cup. You might, you might say to yourself like, oh, like certainly Italy is in the World Cup. They are not. They did not qualify. Um, and, uh, you know, that's another fun part about this is that we are not the only ones to crap the bed. Um, other teams do it too. So, um, we're not even like the most high profile team to crap the bed. Nope. Nope. Uh, it's, it's, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen, uh, for everybody. Somebody will not make it out of the group and it will be a huge problem. Um, not us. If we don't make it out of the group, I think everybody will be more or less like, eh, um, we'd like to. I mean, it'll be disappointed, but yeah. yeah. Ideally, we will make it to out of the group. So what does that mean? The top two teams in each round robin, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw. Um, go to a round of 16. Single elimination, NCAA tournament, win in advance, lose, go home. Um, we have never made it past the second round, um, ever. We've, we've, we've made it to the second round once in like 2002. So it's not unheard of, but we, we are not really capable of getting further than that based on history. Um, what I would say is that if you want to look at what will make this a successful run for America, um, the answer is like win a game in the tournament. Um, and then for your purposes, dear listener, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, like, great. What are the names I need to know? So that when I'm at the bar, I can say like, Hey, that's so-and-so he's really good. Uh, the answer is Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, and our goalie, Matt Turner, because against England, it is not unlikely that Matt Turner might have to do some stuff. Um, he's really, really good at, at stopping shots. And you might say to yourself, oh, that makes him a good goalie. And I would say, yes, but smarter people than me would say, oh, but he also needs to be able to pass the ball. Um, yeah, well. we, we, we generally on this uh, podcast are of the opinion that that's an overrated stat. The best thing that a goalie can do is keep the ball out of the net. Um, yes. So that is the sort of, primer on us um there are a bunch of other really interesting storylines here um leo messi who is if not the best player of all time one of a top three um yeah he is Uh, for my money he's the best but yeah i mean i didn't watch pele so he's the best player that i've ever seen play um this is it for him this is his last world cup probably um which is also something that you should consider when like considering Argentinian matches, 
because Argentina really, really wants to win this for Messi. Yeah. So where, whereas like otherwise they might sit back a little bit and let some, some stuff come to them. Um, I think that Argentina is going to be very aggressive trying to get through this tournament uh, so they can a rest all of their old guys. Cause they're kind of like in the same boat as us where they're like, they're, they have a very old generation that includes Messi, old being relative. He's like 33. They're between um, generations. Right. So like, but like, they're like old generation is like the like legends of Argentinian football. There's like Maradona, who obviously is a legend. And then it's like the next like four guys on best Argentinian soccer players ever are all playing for Argentina. and They're all over like 32. And then all of their guys that they're really like getting to lean on probably heavier than they want to are all under like 24. Right. So they're, they're an interesting team. Um, England is coming off of their best run in a tournament in 60 years. Um, so they'll be interesting to watch. Um, Brazil hasn't won a world cup in 20 years, something like that. Uh, and they get antsy. They're, they're the, um, they're the Kentucky basketball. I know that, that I'm now going to my third analogy, but like if they don't win every like four or five years, they get super antsy. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where we're, we're starting to get there with Brazil. Um, Germany is, is always sort of a powerhouse um, and, and is always really good. Uh, and then you have teams um, that are interesting because they, not because they're, they're going to win. They're not, but because their meltdowns will be really funny. Um, watching Mexico meltdown will be funny. I promise. But there's going to be a couple of, because like a lot of the traditional European powers are all in that like weird situation where they, they're between generations, like, like Germany between generations, uh, Argentina, super old Belgium between generations. Like the only ones that really are sending like, they're like prime guys are like France because they have literally an unlimited, like allotment of yeah. midfielders. So France, France France lost their their three best midfielders and it's not going to matter. That's what France is at. Like you know how and their and their second best striker? Yeah. Yeah, so they they can lose a lot and it just like doesn't seem to matter. So like you know how like like uh Alabama won a title losing their top 3 linebackers and it was just like okay, guess we're going to roll with it. That's France. France can reload like that. Um yeah. so I think that at France, Brazil uh, at the last World Cup was in this situation. This World Cup, they've got enough young guys where I think we can officially say that they're like not between generations or anything like that. They're going to be leaning on some of their older guys, obviously Neymar uh, still, but like a lot like Vinicius Jr. Um, you know, they've got a lot of young guys that are getting solid play in big European leagues. Rafinha's so up the there. Yeah. Rafinha's in Richard there. Jesus, right, so they've got they've got they've got other guys that coming up that they can kind of get back to them. But yeah, like Germany, Spain, Belgium are all kind of between generations right now. Um, so it's not going to be as clear cut as it usually is. And this is, I believe, considered one of the more like wide open World Cups in the last twenty years, thirty years. Um, so what I'll say about it is that it's not unlike Bedlam. Um, anything could happen, even the top six teams that always win. Any of them could win, but it, it'll be one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final thing that I, I do want to bring up here just before we, we, we uh, sort of put a, a bow on this is it's in Qatar. 
there's a lot of politics involved. If you want to look into it, you probably should. Um, I don't have anything unique to say about what has gone on there. Um, it is what it is. Uh, l- watch the FIFA FIFA corruption uh, documentary on Netflix as to why it's in Qatar and not um, in a place that could handle it at its normal time. But the World Cup's super fun. And if you're if you're like saying to yourself, hey, it's a big deal, you know, people seem to want to pay attention to it. Um, it's super fun because you get to be sort of nationalistic without all of the attendant circumstances, which is always super fun um, and be patriotic. And the kids who you're rooting for are largely like kids and cool and like exciting and, um, you know, pretty diverse group. Um, you know, it's not historically there was a there was like a pretty large preference for white people. Um, and I think like half the team is non-white, uh, this year, which, which is like a huge step. Um, and, and that's pretty cool. So if you're interested, you should go check it out. It's a lot of fun. We will be posting and tweeting and if Twitter exists and also, you know, (laughs) podcasting about it and it's, and, and we enjoy it. So hopefully you can get up for it. And, uh, if you have any questions, dear football listener, you know, let us know, but after the world cup. If you're you're still into soccer, a great place to watch soccer is Paramount Plus. Hey everybody, uh, is this a recorded ad read? It is. UF. God damn it! <laughs> Do it again. No, just keep going. Just keep going. UEFA Champions League soccer is streaming on Paramount Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams, you'll note not Arsenal, and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title, no, against Liverpool, no, Man City, yeah, probably, Chelsea, no, PSG, come on. Barcelona, now you guys are clearly just messing with us, and more fired in soccer's biggest <laughs> club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage Moist. time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, we'll also note that you can watch Europa League and Conference League on, on Paramount Plus, but they're not going to advertise for that. Golazo. All right, let's. Uh, do you want to talk about Michigan State first? Do I have to do this? Uh, the kicker had some issues, and uh, we are not used to that as a school that has typically had a reliable kicker for the last 20 years. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, You should not lose to Indiana. You should not lose to Indiana at home. Should not lose to Indiana at home on senior day. Should not lose at home to Indiana on senior day with bowl eligibility on the line. You should not lose to Indiana at home on senior day with bowl eligibility on the line when you go up 17 in the first half. You should not lose to Indiana at home on senior day when you go up 17 at the half with bowl eligibility on the line, when you have the ball inside the 10 with a minute left to go and the game tied. Yeah. I don't, I, I, the failure that has gone on with this coaching staff, because look, 
if it happened once a failure in, in a late game moment, I would have said, okay, kids, it happens. Happens twice. You say, I don't know. That's not great. This is the third time that the coaching staff has tried to give away a game against Wisconsin. They tried to give it away against Illinois. They tried to give it away and they gave it away here. Um, and I, I, I don't know what, there, what else there is to say about it. I mean, look, you, you can go through the team and you can say, okay, our offensive line isn't good enough. Our, our secondary isn't um, effective enough. Um, our, our defensive ends are being held together with Scott shape. It doesn't matter. It's Indiana. They threw the ball. They, they completed one pass in regulation for six yards. Yeah. For six yes. yards. Um, you know, they, they opened with a 50-yard kickoff return and then later – took one to the house, which means that somebody's job, um, somebody's job was to make, look at that and say, oh, we need to fix that. If only to say, okay, you need to kick it all the way the hell out, or you need to kick it out of bounds and take the 35, whatever, whatever Ross Ells needs to do. I, I don't think that I've mentioned a coach who I want to see fired on this podcast. I think we've, we've made reference to Scotty Hazleton. I think that he's done largely a, a good enough job um, you know, today, notwithstanding, uh, no, he should be fired. He should be fired. We'll get there. Um, Jay Johnson should be fired. Um, but Ross Ells, the special teams coordinator, Michigan State special teams have been bad since he's been here. I, he's not a good recruiter by all accounts. The linebackers are not special under him and he's added his job. I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, you missed two field goals in with 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 in 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 overtime and to win to the game. You give up a kick return for a touchdown. You've given up kick returns all year. Yeah. I mean, what what are we doing here? And not winning, not, not winning, winning, not football. winning. And look, like the fact of the matter is, is that this year this year was was going to be difficult if everything went well and the coaches were good and knew what they were doing. And I don't think they are. I think that we've seen late game meltdowns, which is where you can see coaching the best. I'm not someone who really second guesses play calls all that much because there's a lot that goes into them. And if they work, they're brilliant. And if they don't, they're not. But how many times do we need to see a slow developing outside run or counter run on fourth down and and two? How many times? We don't have the, like, it's like. You would think once, but uh, it's, it's, it's happened more than once. It is, it is shocking to me how often this team is simply not ready to play the game. And that's not on the players. That's just not on the players. No. And, and you can say, and look, like I'm not sitting here saying that we have the talent to compete for a national title. If we had good coaches, I, that's not, that's not what we're talking about, but we absolutely have the talent to beat Maryland. We absolutely have the talent to beat Indiana. And yeah. And, 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 and it's, it is, it is, it is unacceptable. And look, like, again, I am not someone who like, gets all that upset about losses because it's like I expected this year to be bad you know my brother prior to the year was like oh is Michigan State going to be good this year I said no don't watch them don't watch them they're not going to be good maybe seven I I think I said eight and four seven and five whatever um and that assumed that Mel Tucker was worth worth the squeeze and if you are a CEO type right Mark D'Antonio wasn't a CEO type he was a hands-on type he was constantly doing stuff and so micromanager right which worked for him, which was fine. But Mel Tucker is not that. Mel Tucker is, uh, Mel Tucker is a CEO type. 
He's a Mac Brown type. He is a, I'm hands off. I'm recruiting. I'm going to let people who are good at their jobs do their jobs. That only works if people are good at their jobs. Part of being a CEO is identifying talent amongst the adults as well as the kids. And Jay Johns, and look, I give, I give Mel Tucker a lot of, a lot of leeway because year one, he got hired in February. Nobody was available. Fine. Year two, it went really well. I mean, you could say that the defense was incompetent and was, and the offense was bailed out time and again by a special player. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I understand why you don't want to make changes from an 11 and two team. Fine. Fine. But now we are on two out of three years in which we are 500 or worse. If, if, if we, if we are somehow able to beat Penn state, but we are now two out of three years where you are 500 or worse with an incompetent defense and an offense that requires exceedingly special talent to even work. Right. Like imagine Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed in an offense that didn't hamstring. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and, and you see it with Jalen Berger too. Right. Or, or Elijah. Yeah, he, had great, he had a great game. Well, I mean, and, and Keon Coleman's had great games the last like three weeks when they decided to actually throw it to him. And, and it feels like it's in spite of the coaches, right? It's yeah. like, it's like they're making plays in spite of what's going on in front of them. Um, and look, like, I'm not someone who says like, oh, well play the backup quarterback because they're going to be better than Thorne. Maybe, but I don't know. But what, what, I mean, what I do maybe know. I'm, yeah. I don't even know if I would at this point. Cause like technically unless that Penn State game gets out of hand, like bowl eligibility is still on the table. I mean, you, you have to, if you can beat Penn State, who are a beatable team, they're a beatable team. They're not elite. They're good. They're not elite. Um, they are, this, this team should never, this program should never miss a bowl game. Period. Period. You do not spend this much investment on a team to miss bowl games. And so, you know, I, I am firmly of the opinion that there, there is three to four people who need to lose their jobs immediately. Just, just immediately need to lose their jobs, whether, whether that's on, on the Monday after the loss against Penn state or, or the Monday after the bowl game. Um, you know, there are a lot of very interesting and good position coordinators or position coaches who want to be coordinators. Um, and, and so I think, I think that that's just, you know, that's just the way to go. So that's all sort of, I have to say about Michigan state, like, look, they were good enough to be up 17. They were bad enough to blow, blow it. I like, there's, there's not much more to say about it. Um, and I don't really want to talk about the players because who cares? Right. Right. Like, like, it, yeah. It's- well, I mean, and the players shuffle in and out. So like, it's not really fair a lot of the time to put it on the players because like the next the next time this becomes an issue, it's not going to be these same players. And I mean, it, it's more of an indictment of the coaching staff. If you or I guess not the coaching staff in general, but like Mel Tucker, if you allow, you know, the next time for this to be an issue with Jay Johnson or with uh, Scotty Hazleton, like you could easily replace those guys. Like you just need to make the call. And that's the point is that in season, I'm not going to blame Mel Tucker because I know the model that he's following, right? He gives a lot of responsibility and deference to his coordinators. So, okay, fine. But if you're going to do that, you need to hold them accountable, right? Yeah. He holds his players accountable, right? Compete to play, compete to stay. Um, well, same thing. Same thing. 
there's got to be some measure of improvement at the coaching level. Um, yeah. And that is what it is. Um, Visible. Yeah. And, and so, you know, regardless of sort of how Michigan state comes out against, against Penn state, I don't think it really changes anything. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think it should either. I think that they've, I think this coaching staff has shown enough of what they are, I guess, capable of, or I guess not capable of is more of the issue whereby, um, you know, decisions should already be made. I've, I think we're, you should just be kind of waiting to see if you're firing them on in eight days or in a month and eight days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that's sort of all I have to say about Michigan state. Um, hopefully, hopefully, we're able to improve. That's, that's all I'll say. Hopefully we beat Penn state. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I'm not really sure what there is to say. For a um, multitude of reasons. Yeah. Mostly um, it'd be funny to watch James Franklin lose. Yes. Always. Um, in terms of the other school that we sort of deeply focus on um, Michigan played a serious game for the first time, maybe all season, depending on how you feel about um, Iowa, which you know how we feel about Iowa. And it's honestly Mar- Maryland. <laughs> Maryland, Penn State, like. No, Penn State is, wasn't serious. Penn yeah. State was, I was at the Penn State game. Penn State was serious for about three minutes in the second quarter. And every everything around that was completely unserious. Um, and yeah, so Michigan. Uh, uh, Michigan's had a lot of whisperings. Lost. Yes. But Michigan, Michigan's had a lot of whisperings about issues all year that Michigan fans have been like brushing off as like haters going to hate and all of that stupid bullshit. Um, but like good teams are going to expose that you, I, I don't know what you like. You can't just be like, Oh, the haters are out to play today. Like, no, like that's some, again, that's something that you need to fix. Let's look at a multitude of, uh, there's a multitude of things uh, both on and off the field. Uh, Michigan, number one, on the field, use an illegal pick play in order to set up the game-winning field goal. Calls get missed. That's fine. But, like, you can't just be coming out and be like, haters going to hate. Like, no, man, you need an illegal play in order to win the game. Like, that's something that you should address. And also the, the, the Ronnie Bell catch that stood, he didn't catch the ball. I didn't even see that one or the, but um, the JJ McCarthy recovering his own fumble thing too. Uh, I don't think that actually ended up affecting anything. Cause I think no. that drive ended up being, yeah, that didn't go for anything either, but like, yeah, like those are, these are things that are like, it's not haters going to hate. It's like, you should be, you should be addressing these Blake Corum. So I watched that live. The only thing I really saw was whatever the defender was put his helmet into Blake's knee and everybody on Twitter and everybody else was freaking out like, Oh no, he dropped the ball. That means like his ACL is gone. Like he's severely hurt. And turns out he wasn't came back, which I mean, him coming back is obviously good. The part that bothers me is if he's going to come back, you either make the decision to play him because he is healthy enough to be played or he's done. You're out, you're like, hey man, you're you're a very integral part of this offense. We are not going to risk losing you before Ohio. And we are State. not going to risk your NFL career. Also that, and honestly, your Heisman candidacy. Because I think at this point, 
He's probably yeah. in the front front front. He's, 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 he's part of he's part of the front too, at the very least. Yeah, like he should have not gotten any carries in the second half. If there was any doubt about that knee, he shouldn't have been gotten any snaps in the second half. I think it's actually, I think it's more indicative of uh, Harbaugh and the offense being dumbasses that he got a carry than anything else. Like either give him 10 carries or give him zero. There is no situation where like one, unless he like, he got the one carry, he came back. He's like, I can't go anymore. And then you send him back to the locker room, put on your sweats. Like, Hey man, you're that's fine. We got a, yeah. we got a big game in seven days. Like you don't need to push this one. I, I would say, you know, we can handle Illinois without you, but we almost couldn't. But like, again, he wasn't really involved in the comeback as much. So like they probably still could have won. But, like, that's just – that's not good coaching. And then I will point out again that for the fourth time this season, uh, Michigan had issues with, uh, I guess, intermingling with opponents in the tunnel. It's a problem now. It is now a problem. Again – It's not like, – I Again, I don't think anything really uh, would make somebody deserve to get their shit beat in by a helmet or, like, getting punched or kicked on the ground. But, like, I think if, if this happened with just Michigan State, fine. Like, rivalry like rivalry stuff gets heated. That's Michigan State's pr- fault. It's not anything else. But this has happened now with, I believe, Literally, four straight opponents. It's not four straight, but it's, the, it's four, four straight when the game was either close or relevant at halftime. Well, all, that me, all that says to me is that, like, Michigan's instigating something there. I mean, if, if I, it's again, they don't deserve to get their asses kicked, but what's like, the common denominator? What's the common yeah. denominator? Right? Yes. It's it's Michigan State hasn't had issues in any other tunnel. Ohio State, to my knowledge, has not had any other issues in any other tunnel. Penn State, to my knowledge, has not had any other issues in any other tunnel. Illinois, to my knowledge, has not had any other issues in any other tunnel. So it's not even the tunnel, it's the opponent. Like the, it, I, I, I really don't think that, I think that saying using the same tunnel as a scapegoat because plenty of stadiums use the same tunnel and have no issues, but there is clearly something that is going on where somebody is saying something or doing something that they don't do like other teams don't do and it's causing issues and Michigan state took it too far, admittedly way too far, but like yes. you can't keep throwing rocks in a glass house and then being upset when, you know, one of your windows breaks. Yeah, it's, it's so in terms of the game on the field, um, I have said now all year that we don't know how good Michigan is. We really don't. We don't know their ceiling. We don't know their floor. We know they're a lot better than the bad teams they've played. Michigan State included. Just before people are like, oh, well, you're just a Michigan State fan hater. No, no, no. Michigan State sucks. I'm with you. Um, but I, I mean, Michigan played three non-conference games that were trash. Um, yep. they played Maryland, Iowa, you know, their, their, their cross rival, their, their cross divisions were Illinois, Nebraska, and Iowa. Iowa is abject terror on offense. Nebraska fired their coach because they're so bad. And Illinois, who, who was for most of the year considered the, the best team in the West should have beaten them at home. So in terms of like what we're looking at, it's like, yeah, there's an avalanche against Penn state in their one game against a team who we can consider to be a good team this year. 
outside of that, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know what Michigan is looking at because even if they do get past Ohio state, do you have any faith that they're going to be able to stand up against Georgia against no. LSU? We're not even that far. Iowa. I, Iowa do again. Do you think they can beat Iowa a second time? Yes, Maybe. but but probably, like, probably, but like I wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't say like guaranteed. Like, yeah, Michigan's going 13 and 0 to the playoff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's the point is that I just, I deeply don't know what to do with this team. Um, and well, it, and it, but it, I mean, it all comes down to the last game. Like, like every Michigan fan's wet dream wants it to. Like, you beat Ohio State, all of your dreams are in front of you. I think even if they lose. Actually, if they lose the Big Ten championship after being Ohio State, Ohio State might get to go instead of Michigan, which would be very funny. Yeah, that um, would, I mean, I would enjoy that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the the consolation prize then is the Rose Bowl, so like, it things could be worse against against apparently an Oregon team um, that did not collapse the way that they did last year against uh, Utah. Um, like I, th- I think that's a huge step forward for Oregon uh, and Oregon's program because um, last year against Utah, they got smacked twice against a team that like wanted to be tougher and impose their will in and whatever. Back-to-back weeks, right? Uh, it was, I think it was like t- twice in three Two weeks. weeks. No, because yeah, because okay. they, they always end against Oregon State. So like maybe it was like t- twice in a month or something, whatever. Um, so the – the step forward from Oregon is really encouraging. I, I put this out on Twitter, but like, it's a little interesting to me that if Oregon didn't play Georgia, if they played, I don't know, Utah tech, right. Like Michigan did. Oregon would be seen as a front runner for the playoff. One loss, you know, one loss. Another top 10 team, top, top 15 ten-ish, team. Top 15 team. Uh, and, and that sucks to me. Like that sucks that Oregon is going to be punished for playing Georgia. And like, isn't that what we want out of college football? Like we want these big games. We want. Yeah. But I want, I don't want them to lose by 45. Yeah. I mean, fair, but if they didn't play Georgia, they wouldn't have lost by 45 to Georgia. Yeah. Do you fine? But like the last time Michigan played Georgia, it wasn't all that close. Right. (laughs) And these aren't getting scheduled. Like obviously like last year, like this was scheduled like five years ago right. where Georgia was still the nine and three, 10 and two team. We used to know and love. So they just kind of like, and Michigan bailed on it on a, on a series this year. They were supposed to play UCLA who was a good team actually, as it turns out. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, look, I, I, I have nothing more to say about that, but um, you know, the, the good news is that we get to end on, on two things. One, we can talk about the fact that the Lions are one game back in the loss column from the playoffs. Um, Hell yeah. And the other thing is, is that like sometimes college football, even in weird years, will like do things that are like really comforting to me. You know, like they'll, they'll, you'll, you'll say to yourself, man, this is such a weird year. You know, you have, you have things going on that like don't normally happen. You, you, you say to yourself, you know, topsy turvy, some really good teams or otherwise you know, really out of it. And then it's the second to last year, week of the year and Oklahoma goes and plays Oklahoma State (laughs) and God bless them. I cannot believe how stupid that game, that game. They scored 21 points Uh, in the first quarter and didn't score again. They scored one more. They scored 28. 
No, no, that's what I'm saying. They scored 28 points in the first quarter. Oh, I think you said 21. Yes. No. And it was all because uh, Spencer Sanders kept throwing the ball to Oklahoma defenders. Like, I mean, I went- watched that first quarter. It wasn't close. He wasn't like taking high risk shots, hoping for high rewards. Like, he was just throwing it straight up to OU guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Really, really phenomenal work, Bedlam. Um, we're really proud of you. Uh, Hendon Hooker tore his ACL, which makes what I'm about to say less funny. But yeah. Jesus, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah. I mean, that was not a good, that was not a good game. But also, uh, they didn't stop. I feel bad for Hooker. No. Tennessee no. did not stop. South, South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina dropped 63. I have no idea what to do with that Tennessee team, or not the Tennessee. Well, I don't. I don't know what to do with the Tennessee team either. But I have no idea what to do with that South Carolina team either. Like seven and four. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're seven and four. Yeah. But like, who is the other? They just beat it like a top. Was it Ole Miss? They beat like a top twenty team earlier this year too. Um. So they went out. They they have they've done the following. They got smoked by Arkansas. They got smoked by Georgia. Um, they beat a 13th ranked Kentucky, but Kentucky sucks. As we now know, they went out and lost to a really bad Missouri team immediately after. Yes. They beat Vanderbilt who maybe, maybe better than you think. Um, lost to winning streak, winning streak. Lost I think that's Florida. what it was. I think that, I think it was, I think it was when they beat Vanderbilt, even though Vanderbilt was like putting up, no, cause they lost by 13 to Missouri and they lost by 32 to Florida. This team makes no goddamn sense. The good news is, is that they're playing like their, their days of ruining the playoff are not over because they get another uh, one loss team. That's trying to make the playoff uh, on the end, uh, last game of the season. That's right. Yeah. Clem is that, is that Clemson coming to town? Is that no, game in, it's in Clemson? It's in, it's, it's in, in, it's at Clemson at Clemson. Um, that's unfortunate. But I mean, it's an hour. They're an hour apart. Yeah, but like, it would have been very funny if Clemson, after all this, was like, "Okay, we we end our our season against the bad South Carolina team," and they're like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, uh, no, 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 no." I mean, that could still happen. Uh, yeah. Um. Also, I I, I guess uh, the other the other thing I do want to say is that um, it's really a shame that we we can't like, I know that the transfer portal and you have to finish out the year, like these things make sense to me. I understand it, but you see the drawbacks, right? Like it's become very obvious. Like Lane obviously has taken the Auburn job already, but he still has to coach. And it's, it's a shame. It's, it's not fair to the kids. What if they, what if they uh, rescind his offer? I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I would have never, I, I hate Lane going to Auburn, although I do think it's funny that he would get to like he gets every to, year the potential year. Yeah, just ruin Saban's year every year. Last game of the season, Saban has to go across this, the 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 field and shake his hand, and that's so funny. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the only other college football um, result I, I want to mention um, is that, um, uh, like we said, North Carolina. Um, you you were right there. You had you had an opportunity to have a special season, and then yes, and then you lost to Georgia Tech. Mac Brown, I'm, Just, I'm not good, not good. Um, 
So in, in shout out to Georgia Tech for turning around their season after oh, yeah. they lost or after they fired uh, what's his face though Jeff Collins because they were yeah they were like on a list for worst FBS teams of all time and they're gonna finish what five and seven uh, I don't know I mean they could they could always be... no no they could not beat Georgia <laughs> um. I, they can. I don't they, think they will. No. Uh, do you know who's really bad? Like, really, really bad in a way that you don't realize because, like... Texas A&M. Well, no, you realize how bad they are. UMass was hanging around for a while. Longer than they should have. Um, no, Virginia Tech is really bad this year. It's weird. Yeah. No, like, it's, it's not. They they quit on Fuentes, and then when they brought in a new coach... Pry. Like, all the guys... Well, all the guys transferred. Yeah, he's like he has, he's got like nobody. Virginia Tech, the earliest I think they're going to even be like a 500 team is going to be 2024. And who knows if they like, will they let their coach stick around? Who's their coach now? Brent Pry, first year. He, the, he was the D- DC at uh, Penn State. All right. So are they going to even let him stay around to see if he has anything in 2024 should, and 2025? He, he should get three years. I mean, you, you, you would hopefully give him three years, but Virginia Tech, I mean, you think, but. If has I'm expectations. Tech, yeah, if I'm Virginia Tech, I am backing up whatever Brinks truck I can for, um, you know, legacy kid who currently is in South Carolina. Like the fact that Shane Beamer, it, it's funny because Shane Beamer, we, we, we're, we're going to criticize Virginia Tech for not doing for Shane Beamer what Iowa is absolutely doing for Brian Ferentz, which is just giving thought, the job so, to the kid. Yeah, but I thought Shane Beamer had been offered the Virginia Tech job and he turned it down. It is my understanding that this they time. gave it to... Oh, this time. Uh, yeah. This time, would like, you, they gave... You, they offered Beamer yeah. Yeah. Would you, instead would of Pry. You, would you want a pay, a pay cut to go to Virginia Tech? He's going to have to take one anyway. What, they, they're not going to pay him the same thing that South Carolina is going to. That SEC money is stupid. Which is why he's not going to leave South Carolina. He's just... Oh God, he's so... He's so wasted, confusing at South Carolina. No, yeah. confusing because then he goes and loses by 13 to Missouri. If you, I don't care if you win 24, 23, I will not call you wasted. If you lose 24, 23 to Missouri, if you lose 23 to 10, you are not wasted there. You are confusing. That's I have no, like the, like the, like the, uh, was it knives out quote? Like, I don't know, but it compels me. <laughs> like, I am so confused by South Carolina's entire aura right now. I mean, the nice thing about South Carolina, though, is that, like, you say to yourself, like, they're confusing. They're seven and five. That's what South Carolina always is. They are eternally seven and five. It's just how they get there is what's interesting, right? Yeah, blowing out a top four team. And then after two weeks after losing to a bottom four team in all of FBS, well, it, just, it makes five, no sense. But yeah, it makes no sense. Ah, no, Missouri no. sucks. Missouri's pretty bad. Um, but uh, but but uh, I guess for for to 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 put a, a capper on this weekend, um, Lions are going to go to the playoffs, y'all, and we're still going to get a top five pick because the Rams are butt cheeks. So. Uh, I, my, my, uh, you can find my co-host on Twitter as long as Twitter still exists at Mr. Merge Rising 89. You can find me on Twitter at Diamonds Esquire. You can find all of us at our new, our new Twitter handle at TLSTDS. No underscores, no N, just TLSTDS. Uh, we got that just out, baby. Yep. Um, especially to our sponsors, Smith Workforce Management Group, whoever Blue Air decides to put in. 
the Paramount Plus. Um, special thank you to Instagram. We'll be joining you as soon as Elon tanks the company. Um, and obviously, you know, please like, subscribe, share, especially this episode, um, the first part. If you if you want to share this with your friends who maybe don't like soccer that much, uh, I think that they'd probably get a kick out of it. Um, but uh, as always, dear listener, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Podcast Network.